This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Padres Postgame Show on the Padres Radio Network. Coming up, we'll deliver a full recap of today's game with highlights. Plus, we'll take you down to the manager's office to hear from Bob Melvin. And we'll give you an update on scores from around Major League Baseball. The Padres Postgame Show starts now on the Padres Radio Network. We are live here at Petco Park as the Padres fall on this Sunday afternoon into early evening. The final score, the Dodgers 8 and the Padres 2. As the Dodgers have taken two of the first three games in this four-game series, Padres drop to 55-57, and 57. Dodgers improve to 64-46, and 46. and now the Padres will aim to split this series tomorrow afternoon here at Petco Park. Sam Levitt with you here inside the loft at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park after this one. A tough loss for the Padres and really a game that felt kind of weird from the start. The replays, we'll get into both the replays, the one at home plate with Gary Sanchez called for a home plate blocking violation. Then a double play replay where Fernando Tatis Jr., at least from what I could see, appeared to be safe on a potential double play ball. That call was overturned. He was ruled out. And all in all, you looked up, and in two innings, the Dodgers put up six runs against Rich Hill. Tough Padres debut for him. And the Padres offense did not do much against Lance Lynn whatsoever. Lynn was great in this game. Six innings, one earned run given up. Four hits as the Dodgers score eight runs on 11 hits, including a home run from Freddie Freeman, a home run later from Mookie Betts, and the Padres get just two runs on seven hits. And the middle part of their order, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, and Manny Machado went a combined 0 for 11 in this game. So on one hand, certainly Rich Hill struggling in his Padres debut, a big part of the story. Uh, some of the, the replays, a big part of the story, but also the Padres offense really not doing much at all against Lance Lynn, aside from a Gary Sanchez home run, a big part of the story as well. A lot to do on our postgame coverage. We'll hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin when we come back. We'll also play all the radio highlights for you, recap this one in its entirety, and much, much more to come as the Dodgers win it 8-2 to on this Sunday over the Padres. We continue on our postgame show from Petco Park after this on the Padres Radio Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score on this Sunday, Dodgers 8, Padres 2, as the Padres 
have fallen in two of the first three games of this four-game series here at Petco Park. Sam Levitt with you inside the Western Metal Building as we wrap this one up. Plenty of people still here inside the Western Metal Building. Some games of pool going on to my right. We have uh, some people hanging out at the picnic table right in front of me, having a conversation, finishing up their evening here in downtown San Diego. A lot of people having a good time. A great crowd here tonight once again. 43,306, the 48th sellout in 55 openings this season here at Petco Park. The crowds continue to be tremendous. They saw one outstanding finish to yesterday's game. But here today, well, this game in a weird way just felt like it never really got started for the Padres in the blink of an eye. They were down 2 nothing and then 6 nothing in the first two innings. So we'll continue to break it all down. We're going to recap it in its entirety in just a moment. Also here from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Give out our daily awards. If you want to get involved on social media, you can do that by tweeting at me. Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram DMs open as well. Sammy Lev there too, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. And we will take your phone calls coming up a little bit later as well. Let's break down how this one went here today at Petco Park. Let's go through the biggest moments from today's game with our game highlights. Presented by the new El Cajon Ford Commercial Service Center. Servicing all Fords up to F750s and motorhomes. It was not a fun first couple of innings for the Padres. Rich Hill made the start his Padres debut. The left-hander, 43 years old, with a runner on first base and two out in the first inning. It was a Med Rosario. 0-2 hit in the air to deep right. Tatis over into the corner at the Petco Port's going to go. Two-run homer, Ahmed Rosario. Only his second is a Dodger, and he got it right over the little railing atop the blue fence down the right field line. Well, there's only one place where you can hit the baseball here at Petco Park, and it go out if you only hit it 335 feet. Rosario placed it perfectly. A two-run home run to give L.A. an early 2-0 lead. In the top of the second, the trouble continued. The Dodgers put runners on first and third with one out. Austin Barnes dug in. Barnes bunts towards first, charged by Choi. Underhand flip on the tag is in time. They got him. What a play by Choi and a great tag by Sanchez. The squeeze bunt and Hernandez out at the plate. If the five, this holds, this is just going to be on Sanchez with a good block. Dave Roberts out of the dugout will challenge it. After review, there was a violation of the home plate collision rule. The call on the field is overturned. The runner is now safe. Los Angeles retains their challenge. A very, very tough break for the Padres once again. Another home plate replay that did not go their way this season. The Dodgers had a 3-0 lead, and we'll dive into that replay as we've done with all the other replays this season because I continue to just be utterly mystified by the rule at home plate and what catchers are supposed to do here in 2023. We'll dive deeper into that. Later in the inning, there were two on and two out for Freddie Freeman, who worked a 10-pitch at bat against Rich Hill. Choi backs up behind him. Now the pitch. Freeman hits it in the air to deep right field. Fernando goes back to watch this one. Going to go. Three-run homer, Freddie Freeman. And just like that, a 6-0 Dodger lead in the second. Freddie Freeman, a long one to right, and like Jesse said, Dodgers had a 6-0 lead. Meanwhile, the Padres were quiet early against Lance Lynn. He went 6 up, 6 down to start the day. But in the third, it was Gary Sanchez who put the Padres on the board. 
2 Sanchez hits it a mile deep down the left field line. Will it stay fair? Yes, sir. Off the tee of Western Metal. Long home run to left for Gary Sanchez. And the Padres are on the board here in the bottom of the third. Sanchez's 15th home run of the season got the Padres going. They were down 6-1. to one. Padres then put two more on base, but Fernando Tatis Jr. grounded into what was eventually ruled a double play. He was called safe at first base, but the Dodgers challenged the call. It was overturned. Now, I'm not going to tell you that he was definitely safe, but I will tell you that, at least from my vantage point, watching the replays... On the video board here at Petco Park, I did not see a replay that showed him being out, or at least evidence that was clear enough that he was out. But it was ruled the double play, and the inning was over. Pedro Avila then replaced Rich Hill, who threw just uh, three innings, 77 pitches on the day. Avila was really, really good in relief. He dealt with trouble, but stranded two on in the fourth inning, one on in the fifth inning, and two more in the sixth inning. But the Padres couldn't do much against Lance Lynn at all. Lynn went six innings and allowed just that one solo home run to Gary Sanchez. So the Padres still trailed 6-1. Going to the seventh inning, Avila retired the side in order for the first time in a fourth consecutive scoreless inning. In the bottom half of the seventh, right-hander Ryan Brazier entered out of the L.A. bullpen. Jake Cronenworth led off. 2-1, hit high in the air to deep right field. Mookie Betts is back. He looks up. It's going to go. Home run, Jake Cronenworth. Nine-game hitting streak for Jake. Second homer of the day for the Padres. And their work against the bullpen gets off to a good start at 6-2. Gary Sanchez would hit a one-out double off the right center field fence, but the Padres could not get him home. Avila then got the first two outs of the eighth inning, but Mookie Betts at a 3-2 pitch over the fence in left center. A solo home run, his 30th of the season, Dodgers had a 7-2 lead. That was it for Avila. We'll talk more about him. He was very impressive in this game. Ray Kerr came in, got the final out of the eighth inning. Dodgers would get one more in the ninth inning on an RBI double by Kike Hernandez. That made it an 8-2-2 game. Ray Kerr got a couple of outs in that ninth inning. Luis Garcia also uh, ended up getting uh, some work in this game as well. But uh, all in all, Padres fall by a final score of 8-2. to two. Again, the Dodgers getting two in the first inning, four in the second, one in the eighth inning, one in the ninth inning. Padres getting their runs on a couple of solo home runs. The solo shot by Sanchez in the third, and another by Jake Cronenworth in the seventh inning. That was a bright spot here today. Jake Cronenworth, who has been swinging the bat better lately, another two hits, including a home run. So we'll dive deeper into this game, how it all went down, those replays and all of it. But right now, let's go down towards the clubhouse here at Petco Park and hear some post-game reaction. Let's take a trip down to the Padres clubhouse and hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Presented by Sin Lee Food. Find your next cooking adventure at Sin Lee Food. 4665 El Cajon Boulevard. The Cook's Asian resource. Bob, what was the struggle for Rich today? Well, they made him throw some pitches and made him work, but it ended up being two swings of the bat that were, what, five of the six runs. So... Gave up four hits, made them through a bunch of pitches, were advantageous when they hit the homers. So, you know, probably not his best stuff, but they made him work and had a couple big swings. What made Lynn as challenging as it was on your guys? Pitched a little different than we've seen in the past. You know, maybe a few more cutters and some change-ups. Uh, probably got a little advantageous strike zone on the outside corner, but 
you know, used it well, and we just couldn't get anything going off them. It's kind of been like all season where you have momentum one night that doesn't necessarily carry to the other night, whether good or bad. Why, why do you think that is, and why haven't you kind of maybe been able to maybe build on some like emotional victories like, like what last night? That's a good question. So we'll continue to search for that. Um, you know, we've come up against that 500 mark a couple times now, and, you know, we'd like to be able to push through that and get on the other side of it. Hopefully that'll be a big hurdle for us, but we haven't been t- been able to. And like you said, we'll have some really good games and, and not so much the next day, unfortunately. What was the clarification? Because I thought infield, the blocking rule so didn't too. apply. Okay, so yeah. what were you told? They said that they thought he had enough time to 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 realize and not block the plate. So where he initially set up was fine. I I, I don't know. That's uh, it's it's a rule that you get a different interpretation and you get a different call a lot. Might Avila have worked himself into some more? Situations that are well. Look, he, he did a lot of great things today. He kept us in a game, shut out a really good lineup, and you know kept for the most part our bull, bullpen out of the game. So, you know whether it's more of that, he's certainly going to be down a few days um, after this one. But I, that's you know he's pitched some impressive games for us. Whether it was starting a game and and going short, you know three innings coming in. He, he's been really impressive for us. This is probably his best work in a time we needed him to get through some innings. So uh, do, do we feel better about him in any particular instance? Probably so. Fernando has hit some balls hard and yeah. long, but also is chasing. And right. What do you see going on there? It's pretty frustrating for him right now because when he does hit it hard, it's right at somebody. And you know sometimes you just try to swing your way out of it. So it, it's... It, <laughs> Obviously, it's, it hasn't been great for him. But if a couple of balls drop and a, and a you know a couple of them get over people's heads, and uh, you know it's a little different different story for him. But I think right now he's trying to swing his way out of it. And every time he does square one up, he doesn't have much luck for it. That was Padres manager Bob Melvin from down by the clubhouse here at Petco Park following this eight two defeat for the Padres against the Dodgers on this Sunday. Sam Levitt back with you inside the loft here at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park. And we'll dive into Pedro Avila, how good he was, because I think it's something really worth talking about. This was not uh, a lone occurrence here today with how good Avila uh, has been. He's really done this a few times now, and, and I really am looking forward to seeing what uh, Pedro Avila uh, can continue to do. So we'll dive more into him, but let's focus on two things that Bob Melvin talked about there. You heard the question about momentum, and obviously one of the best wins, maybe the best win the Padres have had all year yesterday coming from behind the seven-run eighth inning, and you heard Bob Melvin ask there about not being able to build that momentum, and look, it's true, they've you know, reached this mark of one game below 500 now a couple of times, and in fact, they've done it twice in this series and unable to get back to that 500 mark. And we still are looking at this date of May 11th, the last time they were at 500. So it still continues to be, for whatever reason, a, a ceiling for this team where they cannot get back to that 500 mark. And as we know, if they are going to make the postseason, they eventually will have to do that and get above it. We'll see if they can do that in the coming days. I'll, I'll say this about the momentum part of it, and I'll, I'll, I'll suppose cut the Padres a little slack here because it's really hard to quote-unquote continue the momentum when the game started the way it did. Rich Hill hitting the second batter of the game, 
Ahmed Rosario, you know, not the the most impressive home run you'll hear, you'll see here at, at Petco Park, but gets out of there, uh, hit it to the right spot, two-run home run, just like that, it's two nothing in the second inning. Hernandez a single, Rojas a two, uh, excuse me, a one-out single, then the sack bunt play. Uh, which I'll dive into in a second. The sack, uh, not the sack, uh, yeah, the sack bunt and the uh, uh, the safety squeeze, I should really call it. Safety squeeze play uh, in the second inning with the, the replay review at home plate. Doesn't go the Padres' way. Later in the inning, Freddie Freeman, a three-run home run, and in the blink of an eye, two innings in, Padres are down 6 nothing. Look, anytime you don't get a good start like that, anytime you're down 6 nothing after two innings, after an inning and a half in this case, it's going to be very hard to win the game, and a lot of the momentum is taken away from the night before. I mean, the old saying is right, momentum is as good as your next day's starting pitcher. Well, a lot of the air out of the balloon today, momentum-wise, was taken out early on. You could kind of feel it between Rich Hill struggling, the home runs, and the replays. Now, let's get into uh, the replay at home plate, because the way I understand the rule, you heard Bob Melvin talk about it there, is that with the infield drawn in and there g-man Choi was holding on the runner at first base but he's playing by the time that pitch is thrown i went and looked at it in front of the first base bag so is that not drawn in because to me it is number one and number two it just continues to be a totally unclear mystifying rule that for whatever reason this season every time the padres are involved in a play like this at home plate they don't get the call on the replay review, which is super frustrating. But I just simply, and I've said it before, I simply do not understand what else Gary Sanchez is supposed to do in that moment. How are you supposed, I mean, you don't have time to set yourself up oh so perfectly. By the way, and I thought he actually did set himself up, uh, 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 excuse me, set himself up in front of home plate initially. And I thought there was a, a little lane there to slide in but again with the infield drawn in when you're taking a throw from an infielder that's in from what i understand you are allowed to quote unquote block the plate and the rule doesn't really matter so i i don't know i continue to be mystified by it if you want to call me up talk about it we can we've done this before uh, another play involving gary sanchez and this home plate uh, collision rule I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what a catcher is supposed to do here in 2023. I don't understand just on a common sense basis what a catcher is supposed to do right now on a play like that. It's bang, bang. You're going quickly. You're trying to position yourself, be ready for the throw, apply the tag, uh, allow the runner to have a lane. It's just, it's so convoluted, the entire rule. I I just, I, I don't. I don't get it. And uh, there, look, the way I understand the rule is if you're taking a throw from an an infielder that's in, and I know Choi was holding on the runner, but he was in front of the bag when the pitch is thrown. To me, that is in, right? Fields the, and then he's coming in on it, makes a great play to get it to home. I don't know. Don't ask me. And then there was the Tatis replay, which uh, maybe I got to look at replays uh, that I didn't see on the video board here because that's all I saw, but... I know I was surprised, and it sounded like Tony and Jesse were surprised uh, on the radio broadcast as well. I I didn't see clear and convincing evidence that Tatis was out there. I did not, at least uh, least, uh, on what they showed us uh, here at the ballpark. So two replays that did not go the Padres' way and another 
you know, replay at home plate where I just don't know what to make of it. So we'll continue to break it all down. I am going to dive deeper into what Pedro Avila did in this game. Very impressive. Certainly a bright spot for the Padres today. And we'll talk about what the Padres didn't do well as well here on the Padres Radio Network. Again, the final score, Dodgers 8, Padres 2. Postgame show continues after this. Postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you here inside the loft at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park. The final score, Dodgers 8 and the Padres 2. Dodgers winning it on this Sunday, so they win on Friday. Padres return the favor with a win yesterday to even up this series at a game apiece. And now the Padres will aim for a series split tomorrow afternoon. A rare Monday day game tomorrow, one ten first pitch, or equal water SoCal Padres pregame show will begin at twelve ten. So certainly hope you can join us tomorrow for some matinee Monday baseball wraparound series, as they call it, four game set going from Friday to Monday. We'll see if the Padres can bounce back tomorrow. We'll continue to interact with you. Tweet at me, Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram DM's open as well. Same handle there if you want to chime in about today's game, what you thought, what you thought about the replays, the home plate, collision rule, all of it. We've done this before. Not the first time we'll have calls about the home plate blocking rule, but uh, we'll uh, continue to talk about it as we wrap this one up here on the Padres Radio Network. And if you want to get a phone call in, you can. We are taking them, 833-288-0973. Again, phone number to call, 833-288-0973. Let's tell you about our ace pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was dealing today? Let's find out who's today's ace pitcher of the game brought to you by the grilling store at hillcrest ace hardware from traeger and weber to the big green egg all your grilling and barbecue needs are inside the grilling store at hillcrest ace hardware no doubt in this game our ace pitcher pedro avila who was great for the padres he really was four and two-thirds innings one earned run given up Five hits, walked one, struck out seven. The only run he gave up was a home run in the eighth inning to Mookie Betts. At that point, he was one out away from making it with innings of relief. After Rich Hill went just three innings, gave up six earned runs. Avila has been very, very good for the Padres when he's been given opportunities this year. Right now has a 1-3-2 ERA. In four appearances, one start. Remember that game he started at Colorado. Four innings, one earned run given up earlier this month. 13 in two-thirds innings. A 1-3-2 ERA. I mean, he's been really impressive. And you heard the question there to Bob Melvin during the post-game press conference asking about Avila and if he's working himself into a role here. And maybe he is. I mean, he's just been very, very good. And here today, I thought, maybe at his best from what we saw. Four and two-thirds innings, one earned run given up. Battled out of trouble, stranded two on in the uh, in the uh, fourth inning, one on in the fifth inning, uh, two on in the sixth inning. Did a really nice job. And I'll tell you, it's even beyond just the innings and runs and strikeouts. He got a lot of swing and miss in this game. 38% whiff rate out of 42 swings. And the pitch where it really stood out for Avila today 
He got 11 swings and misses on 16 change-ups. That's 69% of a whiff rate. So that change-up's a really good pitch for him. He's getting a lot of swing and miss and uh, did a really good job in this game. I mean, even the fourth inning strikes out Betts and Freeman back-to-back. I know he gave up the home run to Mookie earlier, uh, or I should say later in the game, but he was really good and certainly deserving of our ace pitcher of the game. And you know what he did? He kept the Padres in it. I mean, it was a 6-1 to game for a while, then a 6-2 to game. He kept him in this game. Offense never got it going enough to really take advantage, but it's not like this was a 12-0 game after five innings. It was a 6-0 game, a 6-1 game. It allowed the Padres to hang around. They couldn't take advantage on the offensive side, but... Uh, he was very, very good here today. We'll dive more into that. Into, into uh, man, I can't talk today. Into that offense when we come back. We'll talk about some of the issues offensively. And when we come back, we'll take some of your phone calls as well. 833-288-0973. Again, phone number 833-288-0973. We'll start taking your phone calls when we come back. Look at the out-of-town scoreboard and more. Again, the final score, Dodgers 8, Padres 2 on this Sunday right here on the Padres Radio Network. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score, Dodgers 8, Padres 2, as the Padres drop to 55 and 57. A win today would have got the Padres back to 500. That elusive mark the Padres have not seen since May 11th, maybe another day. That day, not here today. Padres could get back to a game below 500 against the Dodgers tomorrow, but it won't be against L.A. Padres got to get back there at some point if they want to get to the postseason. I think that's for sure. But today, not today. They had the opportunity to do it on Friday. Couldn't do it then. And uh, we'll see. Now you want to start going in the right direction again. You don't want to get three games below and so on and so on. You want to... Get back to one and then go from there, starting on the road trip this coming week. The good news for the Padres today. Well, let's give you the glass half full. The glass half full is that they did not lose any ground in the wild card race today. A number of teams lost in front of them. We'll get to the out-of-town scoreboard coming up later. Padres still three games out of a wild card spot. So three games, 50 games to play, very, very doable. Especially with how the teams in front of them are playing. And they are not playing well. And they are playing like their young teams that are sort of wilting here in in the summer, like we see sometimes young teams do. You know, it's a long season. We see this. Um, Three games, 50 to play, even though they have a lot of teams in front of them and a lot of teams in the mix, I would say the Padres are in actually – a very good position. Now they got to take care of their business and play well and get over 500 in all of it. But three games, 50 to play with the teams in front of them right now, this is very, very doable. It is. So we'll see if they can continue to pick up ground. That's the glass half full way of looking at it. Glass half empty way of looking at it is that this was another day during this series against LA where nearly everybody in front of them lost. And they had another opportunity to pick up ground. It was the same way on Friday. So, I mean, if if they win Friday, a very winnable game, throw out today's game. I mean, you're looking at two games. If you could win these three games against L.A., one game out. So you could be even closer. But, again, 
Part of this is the reality that the teams in front of them are not playing well. So the Padres remain three games out of a wild card spot. We'll get to your phone calls here coming up in a second. 833-288-0973. First, let's tell you about our relief pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was able to come in and slam the door shut? It's time for the relief pitcher of the game in support of the Jacobs and Cushman San Diego Food Bank, providing food assistance to local children, families, and seniors in need. To get help or give help, visit SanDiegoFoodBank.org. Our relief pitcher of the game, I'm not going to go with Pedro Avila, only because I already gave him ace pitcher of the game. And he was great. He was awesome in relief today. So I got to go with the Dodger because I, I can't give it to Kerr or Garcia. Kerr gave up a run. You know, game was out of reach uh, when Garcia came in. So for as much uh, as much as it pains me, I got to go with the Dodgers. So let's go with Bruce Dark Ratterall, who did a good job in the eighth inning, faced Tatis Soto and Machado, and retired the side in order. So, Bradderall will be our relief pitcher of the game here tonight for the L.A. Dodgers. And taking a look at that trio, Tatis, Soto, and Machado, not a good night for them. This was part of the problem here today for the Padres. 0 for 11, those three, Tatis, Soto, and Machado. And look, like I said earlier, when you're down 6 nothing after two innings, it makes it a very difficult uphill climb. It does. But... Keep in mind, Lance Lynn entered this game, even with a pretty good outing in his Dodger debut earlier this week against Oakland. He came into this game the highest ERA at 6-3-2 of any qualified pitcher in Major League Baseball. So I understand Lynn's a veteran. Padres had a lot of experience against him over the years, different players in this lineup. But they got nothing going against them. Six innings, one run. The one run came on the Gary Sanchez home run. And look, it's going to be hard to win when that trio, Tatis, Soto, and Machado, go for 11 and don't collect a base hit, don't contribute offensively. Tough day for those three. And really, aside from the two solo home runs, one by Sanchez, one by Cronenworth, Padres' offense never got it going. And like we've been saying, bullpen, Pedro Avila kept him in it, kept it close. Again, it's tough when you're down 6 nothing in the blink of an eye, but they were hanging around in this game and could not find a way uh, to come back and, and really make it all that close. I mean, it was 6-1, to one and then uh, it was 6-2, uh, to two and then Mookie Betts, the home run of the eighth inning, made it 7-2. to two. Dodgers get one more run in the ninth inning to make it 8-2. to two. So Padres really could never climb back to really uh, getting back in this ball game here today. Again, phone number to call, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. The phone number to call. Let's lead things off on the phones here today with Thomas in Del Cerro. Thomas, you're on the Padres Radio Network. How are you? Okay, just at work, listening to the game. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really like what I was listening to, you know. I don't know if it's just where, where Tony or Jesse were at. I just, every time a Dodger hit, or every time a Padre struck out or something, it was just like loud cheers. It like, I'm just like, it just, just bugs me. Like, like this is a Padre game, you know. Uh, we just need to get Thomas, more Padre Thomas, you're, you're, Thomas, you're talking about the crowd? Yeah, just the crowd. Yeah, like the fans. I mean, just just, just overwhelmed. I, I mean, I was at the game. I didn't know who was there as far as Padre was the ratio, but it sounded like, more cheers are going toward the Dodgers, and it was just like upsetting to me. And we just need more, more Padre fans to 
go in there and not sell their season tickets and just have no people, no Dodger fans sitting around the Virginia Aglers. I don't know. We just need to get that going. More Padres fans just need more support. I know we're losing a lot, but we just need more support in the team and just have faith. You well, know? we got this. Y- y- well, Thomas, look, I'm not uh, – thank you for the call. Appreciate the call. I'm not totally sure what direction you're going in there. Um, look, uh, Tony and Jesse do an outstanding job, and, and this was a game where, you know, a lot of good stuff happened for the Dodgers early on. So Tony and Jesse do an outstanding job. I can't say enough about about the job they do. As far as the crowd behind them, what it sounds like, um, look, pains me to say it. I mean, there, there, were, there were a lot of Dodger fans in the building uh, in this series now. You know, look, you go back to the postseason a year ago, it was all Padres. Um, look, it's very close, obviously. Dodgers have a lot of fans, obviously. Um, look, I, I thought in this series, especially the first two games, um, look, good things happened for the Padres in the first two games, and some bad things happened, and the same thing for the Dodgers. I mean, they really flip-flopped the way the, the bullpens uh, couldn't seal the deal on Friday and Saturday. The Dodgers struggling yesterday, Padres struggling on Friday. Look, uh, I, you definitely heard both fan bases uh, in, in these three games. It's kind of the way it is with, you know, where L.A. is in relation to San Diego. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I'm I'm relatively new to this area, like you all know. I mean, I got here last year before the season, so I won't claim to be the Southern California expert. But, you know, two big fan bases. And, hey, when I go up to Dodger Stadium, I see a lot of Padre fans, too, and they make a lot of noise. So uh, it's the way it is. Um, with uh, how close these teams are in, in the fan bases. Uh, but, uh, look, as far as, uh, you know, supporting the team, things like that, I mean, look, you know, whether there are some Dodger fans here or not, I mean, the crowds have been unreal. I mean, and for the most part, that is all Padre fans all the time, right, from what we see on most days. 43,306 here are the attendance today, 48th sellout of the season in 55 openings. I mean, the crowds have been unbelievable, um, you know, and I see some silly stuff on social media with, you know, people saying, oh, it's uh, it's only sold out because there are Dodger fans there. If you think that, you're, you haven't been paying attention all year because this place is sold out on a Tuesday night uh, against, uh, take your pick of, of under 500 team against the uh, – the Oakland A's would be sold out on a Tuesday night, you know, against the uh, uh, whatever team, the Kansas City Royals. I mean, th- th- this place has been sold out most nights, and it's made up of all brown and gold uh, in the stands. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it, it kind of is what it is from my perspective. And uh, look, I think the fans have been unbelievable here all season. Um, they've been tremendous. So. I think this 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 fan base is. I mean, they've done all they can to support this ball club here in 2023. Certainly from uh, what they've done here in the stands. Let's go to Aaron, who's calling in from Menifee. Aaron, you're on the Padres Radio Network. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right despite the game. However, a um, couple things. First of all, with that caller, I mean, I wasn't at the game, but as you noted, um, Padres fans are have be have. You know, when most seasons, a lot of fans would have given up and Padres fans have just stayed in this. In fact, I think I even heard um, let's go Padres chance in the bottom of the ninth, you know. So but anyway, that's um, that's uh, not not the reason uh, that that I'm calling. My my thought is, which I want to pose to you is, you know, um, seeing Tatis come up to bat feels like he's. 
you know, having to do community service. Like, he's coming up, he's batting, he's going back. Um, he has the same swing, it's, you know, all this. What What are your thoughts about, like, um, potentially moving Tatis down to, like, you know, batting sixth or something like that until he can prove himself again? Obviously, he's still an incredible hitter, but maybe moving somebody else in the order until things start to start to change. Well, Aaron, let me let me pose you this question if you want to move Fernando down. So who would who would bat in your top who who's taking his place in the top three, four in the lineup? The only, I mean the only person I can think of would be potentially Cronenworth just because he's been getting on a little bit of a hot streak, but you're absolutely right. I don't I'm not sure who would yeah. take his spot there, um, because you know, there's not um anybody that's, uh, you know, excellent at the bottom of the order. But I do feel like um, Tatis has reverted to the way he was at the beginning of the season, which is he tends to play emotionally. So when he's not doing well, he continues to not do well. Well, uh, you know, Aaron, and and thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, You know, I I haven't noticed much of a change in Fernando. I, I think he's playing with energy. I don't think you move him down in the lineup. I mean, he's he's one of your best players. He's one of your most electric players. And um, look, just the other day in Colorado, he hit you know a, a ball to the moon and and uh, was rounding the bases. So, I mean, look, you know, he's going through a little bit of a slump right now. He's also ran into some really bad luck. I mean, I can't even count the number of deep drives to like center field the last week or so that have you know died in the warning track outman took the home run away from him on friday it just seems like he's not running into a lot of good luck right now he's chasing a lot i think that's been uh you know pretty evident here i mean he's swinging a lot at a lot of pitches and and he's chasing out of the zone but Aaron, you don't move him down. I mean, this guy is one of your best players, and it's only a matter of time until he finds a, a hot streak again. And I'm I'm really not concerned about Fernando. I mean, look, you know, I think it's been a good year for him, all things considered, considering the amount of time he's missed. He's obviously in right field, been tremendous. I think he's been better than what anybody could have expected out there. He's been a gold glove right fielder. He should win the gold glove in right field this year, the first time he's ever played there in his career. Okay, he's been that good out there. When you look at his numbers, 262 in 92 games, 19 home runs, 58 RBIs, he's going to end up putting up some very nice numbers considering the time he missed. He's going through a little bit of a slump, and he's ran into some bad luck. I I just think it would be a real overreaction to, to drop him down and, you know, and do anything like that. I mean, he's got to be hitting towards the top of your lineup. You know, now if you want to, you know, switch him around a little bit, Kim has been so good out of the leadoff spot. You know, if you want to see if putting him somewhere, you know, between Soto and Machado or a little bit lower or up top, whatever, gets him going, I mean, you can try it. But to me, he's, you know, he's hitting the ball hard. He's not running into great luck. He's chasing a little bit. He's not at his best right now, but I'm – I'm not overly concerned about Fernando going through a little bit of a slump here. And look, I think when you're, you know, not getting on base with regularity, when you're slumping a little bit, I think it, it all ties together. I think that a player doesn't look like they're necessarily maybe having as much fun as they normally have. Um, but I, I am not concerned about Fernando, and I would not drop him down. I, I You can't. I mean, he's he's one of your best players. I mean, he's got the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark at any time, and he's got to be in your top two, three batters 
uh, on any given day. So I'm not concerned. Uh, I think he's just going through a little slump. He's chasing a little bit, and he's also hit into some really bad luck lately, too. I mean, even today, hit one, you know, nearly up against the wall. So, um, you know, he's, he's, it's a mix of all of it, I think, for him right now. All right, we'll get back to your phone calls, 833-288-0973, 830-973, the phone number to call if you want to get involved. Let's now tell you about our player of the game. Which player had the biggest impact on today's game? Let's find out who is today's player of the game. Presented by Valley View Casino and Hotel. Catch every game at Patties and Pints. Plus, enjoy $4 beer every Thursday. Visit valleyviewcasino.com today. Our player of the game, we go with, again, not my favorite to give it to a Dodger, but sometimes you got to do it. Freddie Freeman, the three-run home run in the second inning, I think, uh, sealed it for him made it a six nothing game that was the big blow in this game and you know all of a sudden in less than an inning and a half Padres are down six nothing so a good day for Freddie Freeman three run home run a single later in the game scored another run in the first inning hit by a pitch in the first inning came home on the Amanda Rosario home run and for Freddie Freeman that was home run at number 23 Rosario it is fifth, and Mookie Betts later in the game hit number 30. So Freeman for that home run, today's player of the game. And by the way, again, on a different day, maybe we're looking at somebody like Pedro Avila, but again, he was our ace pitcher, and he was great in this game as well, certainly in relief. He was the star, I thought, no doubt, for the Padres in this 8-2 defeat to the L.A. Dodgers. We'll step aside, come back with more. We'll have our play of the game. Look at the out-of-town scoreboard. If you want to squeeze a phone call in or two, you can. 833-288-0973. The phone number, again, 833-288-0973. The number to call if you want to interact on social media. Tweet at me, Instagram, DM me, Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V, on both those platforms. And we will continue to wrap things up from Petco Park when we come back. Padres fall 8-2 to to the L.A. Dodgers. Back in a moment after this. Back here on the Padres Radio Network, final score, Dodgers 8, Padres 2 on this Sunday. Sam Levitt with you inside the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park as we wrap things up. Here on the Padres Radio Network, again, the Padres will aim for a series split tomorrow. First pitch tomorrow at 1-10, and our Ecowater SoCal Padres pregame show begins at 1210 here on the Padres radio network. It's another beautiful day for a ball game and, and a military Sunday at that San Diego County Toyota dealers are proud partners of the Padres and supporters of San Diego's military community. Thank you to all military members for your incredible service. Great Sunday here at Petco Park. Again, another sold out crowd, 43,000 plus in the building. But uh, Padres could not find a way to win it as they fall 8-2. to two. Again, phone number 833-288-0973. Maybe going back to your calls here in just a little bit. But first, let's take a quick look at the scores today from around the major leagues. 
Let's go around Major League Baseball and take a look at the scores you need to know from across the country. This is the Out of Town Scoreboard presented by Jensen Meat, where great taste meets integrity. Locally produced in San Diego since 1958. We take a look at scores today from around the major leagues. Everything has gone final. White Sox beat the Guardians 5-3 in Cleveland. Astros over the Yankees 9-7 in New York. Jake Myers a couple of three-run home runs in that game for Houston. Phillies beat the Royals 8-4 in Philadelphia. It was the Orioles over the Mets 2-0 in Baltimore. Blue Jays beat the Red Sox 13-1 at Fenway Park. Rays over the Tigers 10-6 in Detroit. Yandy Diaz and Wander Franco uh, each uh, had uh, home runs, I believe, in that game. Let me check on that for you. I think they both had home runs. Did they? Not that you're all that concerned about it. They did. They both had home runs in that game. Had to double-check what I wrote down. Nationals beat the Reds 6-3 to in Cincinnati. C.J. Abrams, Lane Thomas each had home runs. In fact, they hit him on the first two pitches of that game for Washington as the Reds lose again. They continue to struggle. Diamondbacks fall again. Twins beat him 5-3 in Minnesota. Pirates beat the Brewers 4-1 in Milwaukee earlier today. Indy Rodriguez, Connor Joe home runs in that game for Pittsburgh. Rockies beat the Cardinals 1-0 in St. Louis. Cubs beat the Braves 6-4 at Wrigley Field. Cody Bellinger, Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ. Each had home runs in that game for Chicago. Rangers beat the Marlins 6-0 in Arlington. It was the Mariners over the Angels 3-2 in Sin in Anaheim. Angels get swept in that series. They are not playing well after all those trades and keeping Shohei Otani. How about the A's? They beat the Giants 8-6 in Oakland. And that's a look at the full out-of-town scoreboard. And like we said earlier... Padres did not lose any ground in the National League wild card race today. They remain three games out of a wild card spot. So again, glass half empty way of looking at it. Could have picked up ground, glass half full. You didn't lose any ground uh, as the Padres remain three games out. All right, we have a lot of phone calls to get to here, so we're going to go through them pretty quick here as we try to wrap this thing up. But let's uh, let's uh, go through a bunch of calls here. Let's go to Caesar calling in from Chula Vista. Caesar, you're on the Padres Radio Network. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Hey, uh, just, you know, at the game today, and it, it was, I got to say, the game had its moments. You know, you, you take away Freeman's home run and, and Mookie's, you know, that's a different game. You know, there was moments that we had guys on and a hit or two here, and, you know, we're looking at a different ball game, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to trying to keep the day positive on it. And, and looking at that game, I'm going to say Kim, like, I, you know, is, is keeping it going. Kim is finding ways to play great defense. He had some hits, but, you know, Crony has been hitting, and that home run he hit, I, I got to say, I, I'm, I'm proud of those two guys that are keeping it going, and Grish. Grish has been playing excellent defense, you know. But I, I think what you said with Tatis, you know, I think, you know, that, that ball gets through in center, it's a, you know, it's a different thing. You know, I think he, he had a good contact, and, and even Soto made a good hit, and just unfortunately the ball didn't fall our way. But, you know, we take the game tomorrow, we split the series, and, and things can be differently, you know. So, you know, looking back at it, looking at the game and the whole of it, you know, Avila pitched some good innings. So, you know, definitely with some positives, you know, a couple of hits go our way and we're looking at a different ball game. So, you know, it, it's not all bad. Unfortunately, things didn't fall our way, but that's baseball. You know, you, you mm-hmm. keep playing and, you know, hopefully we can, you know, take the game tomorrow and, and, and sweep the series in Seattle. And, you know, we're looking at being above 500. And you, like you said, all the teams lost that we needed to, we're still back three. So, yeah. 
you know, I, I think we got to, as San Diego fans, we got to keep it positive, and, and we're only three out of it. We still got, you know, m- uh, more than two months left, and, and I, I think we can, we can keep going, keep the things going, and, you know, I, I and then uh, we'll see where we go from here. And my daughter just wanted to make a quick shout out to the Padres. Mm-hmm. Have a good night. Take care. All right. Very, very nice. Nicely done there. And, uh, Caesar, look, uh, I'll get to a couple of your points here quickly. Um, you know, look, look, number one, yeah, like I've been saying, I mean, three games out and 50 games to go, it's very doable, especially with the way the teams are playing in front of them, even though there are teams to leapfrog over. Okay, it is very, very doable if this team plays the way they're capable of playing. A couple of points I want to get to. On Fernando, look, like I said earlier, I'm not super concerned. I, I think it's a little bad luck. It's a little bit of chasing. You know, look, his OPS on the year, and again, I, I think you have to remember that missing a full year you know, is a big deal, um, you know, is significant, and he's been pretty good, you know, considering all of that. Look, the number where you're you're probably lower than what you'd expect, the slug in the OPS, I mean, keep in mind, and remember, he's been an outstanding player his first three years in the major leagues, but 2019, he had a 969 OPS, 2020, he had a 937 OPS in the shortened season, 975, 2021, and then this year, it's down to 797, 477 slug. It's been, again, a mix of, lately, I think a little slump, a little chasing and some bad luck too. I mean, he had a home run on Friday night taken away from him, and he's had how many balls lately that have been hit really hard, either right at somebody or fly balls that have gone to the warning track. It just feels like a little bit of, you know, batted ball, bad luck right now for Fernando. And quickly on your point about Jake Cronenworth, you know, he's been very good lately. Jake came into this game. And let me just pull up my note here. Came into this game an eight-game hitting streak, so he's not he's got a nine-game hit streak now. He came in on that eight-game hit streak, 14 for 33. So he's now 16 for 37 in his last nine games. And that is a 432 average. So it's been a really good sign for Jake Cronenworth that he's hit the ball as well as he has here in the last week and a half. Nine-game hitting streak, and in that span, again, hitting 432. So that's been a good development for the Padres lately. Let's go to Mike in San Carlos. Mike, you're on the air. Jesse, how you doing? Sam here. How how you doing? Good, good, good. Um, tough loss, of course. I mean, every, every loss is a tough one these, these days. Uh, but we'll come back tomorrow and get the split. And like we've been saying, you know, we're uh, three games out on the wild card. So there's plenty of hope, plenty of hope. The question I have tonight is, you know, we have a very intelligent manager. I mean, the guy that took us to the NLCS last year. Mm-hmm. But there's moves like today. Maybe you can give some insight. Garrett Cooper did not play. We made a big trade for this guy. Well, and I, yeah, I, he's batting 256 with 13 home runs. And he, he sat the bench the whole game. Well, Mike, from and thank you for the call. From what I understand, this is going to be treated as a platoon. So, you know, against right-handers like Lance Lynn, G-Man Choi is going to get the majority of those starts. We have not seen Garrett Cooper get a start because the Padres have not faced a left-hander since they made the move. So we've seen Cooper come into pinch hit. We saw it relatively early in yesterday's game in fact all Troy had was one at bat and then he faced a lefty in Yarbrough yesterday and 
and Bob Melvin went right to Cooper the moment he could he, when a lefty came into pitch. So the reason for that, Mike, is uh, is it's being treated as a platoon, just like earlier in the year Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter were in a platoon. It's going to be Choi against righties. It's going to be Cooper mostly against lefties. That's the way they're treating it. So that's that's the answer for you there. It's uh, Cooper's having a really good year, but he will get starts primarily against left-handed pitching, and then they will match up as the game goes on, like they did yesterday. I mean, yesterday, Cooper ended up getting three at-bats. Troy only got one, even though Troy was the starter. So they're going to play the matchups in that platoon. That's the answer for you there. Let's go to Kathy in San Diego. Kathy, you're on at the Padres Radio Network. How are you? Hello, good. How are you? Well, well. with today's game, I mean, yesterday I almost turned it off twice, but I'm a diehard San Diego fan. I'm not not really from San Diego. I've been here for 12 years. Mm -hmm. I've been to some games. Um, Today, I would have pulled the pitcher. I mean, you let him go six innings or score six runs, and, you know, pitching is mental. I mean, I grew up with baseball. I lived near a minor league stadium, went to major league games. I've been to several major league stadiums across the country. You don't leave a pitcher in that's struggling. You can have an off night, get a different pitcher in there. I mean, that's bad. (laughs) I just think they could have pulled the pitcher earlier. I mean, Rich Hill's a great guy, but put somebody else in there that's having a better night. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Kathy, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. You know, look, it was a tough night for Rich Hill. I, I, I mean, how early are you going to pull him? I mean, is that in the second inning? I mean, uh, let's put it in a little perspective. If, let's say, he gets out of that second inning with just the three runs given up, I mean, again, it's not nearly as bad of a two innings. You don't want to give up three runs to start the game, be down 3 nothing at the end of an inning and a half. I get that. But he, he's a starting pitcher. I mean, he's making your start. I, I don't know where you take him out that early even despite the struggles and in retrospect Avila was so good that you know yeah you now you would have hoped that you would have seen Avila even earlier but I, that's just not gonna that's not the way it's gonna play play out um you know I mean you're trying even as Hill gives up some runs there the three the, the two in the first inning and then at one point in the second three you're trying to get him through uh, a handful of innings i mean you're not trying to burn your entire bullpen and who knows how the rest of the game plays out so look I, I thought getting them through three on 77 pitches was probably about as good as you were going to do but i mean you don't really even have opportunity there in the second inning to get anybody loose so he's a starting pitcher i mean he's, he's gonna have the opportunity to get out of that second inning and that's the reality there of of having your starting pitcher make the start I mean you've got to give them that opportunity and and you're not trying to get you know seven plus innings from your bullpen if you can avoid it so at that point of the game again it went from a three nothing game to a six nothing game really quickly Rich Hill every time well really any starting pitcher every time is is going to get the opportunity to get out of that second it ended up being a a much more difficult inning with the four runs coming in after the freeman home run but i i don't know that there's a way you could play that much differently it happened very quickly uh with your starting pitcher and obviously a tough padres debut for rich hill let's go to aaron in poway aaron you're on the padres radio network how are you i'm doing good sam thanks for asking Mm -hmm. um i really only have two questions um and i'm sure you see the same thing that i do um with luis garcia you know, he just seems like he's lost out there in his body language. 
doesn't give doesn't give me confidence and doesn't look like he's confident when he's out there. So I don't know why we keep throwing him out there. One and two is, you know, Melvin Melvin's such a good manager. I don't know what's going on this year because of all our one one run losses and we can't win an extra inning game. I mean, if you take those and put them at, at just five hundred, we're leading the division. Well, Aaron, look. The, the issues in one-run games, it's been a problem all year. Um, six and 18, extra innings, we all know the record. Owen San, appreciate the call, Aaron. Look, it's been a problem this year. If they were better in those kinds of games, we saw another close game on, on Friday night here at Petco Park against the Dodgers. The record would be a lot better. It's been hard to put your finger on why, you know, those close games, the extra inning games, my goodness, have, have been so difficult for this team. Um, as far as Luis Garcia, it's been a tough year, and it's been tough lately. Now, look, I mean, they're really using him in games that are not close right now. Games like tonight, I mean, games like Friday when the game was already out of reach. He came in during the ninth inning. You know, things were getting out of hand for the bullpen at that point, and, and you can go on and on. I mean, another good example, Wednesday in Colorado comes in. The game's 11-1, comes in to get the, the ninth inning. So, I mean, look, he's in your bullpen, but. I mean, he's he's fallen down the depth chart quite a bit here. So, you know, Aaron, they're not using him in, in high-leverage situations, situations that are, are really going to cost you in a huge way. Um, that's unfortunate because Luis, I mean, last season, with somebody who got big outs for this team has not been that way uh, for, for a while here in 2023. So I hope he can find it again. But it's not been a great year for them. And look, I mean, they're using them, but much like today and, and what we've seen lately, they're they're not using them in in big time spots. They're using them, you know, in, in spots where the game is either out of reach, uh, one way or the other. So it's been a tough year for Luis, uh, and uh, lately, uh, no doubt, since uh, has not been as sharp as we're used to seeing. Let's uh, finish things up on the phones. We go to Sebastian, who's calling in from San Diego. Hi, Sebastian. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm so glad you're finishing up with me. Um, it's awesome being on this radio, by the way. I uh, do have one thing to say about our recent acquisitions, such as Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. I totally get the fact that we're trying to platoon G-Man Choi. However, um, we, I still feel like with these acquisitions, we could have maybe um, for something, possibly anything, um, in terms of maybe not having um, a sub-200 batter into the bottom of the lineup uh, starting. Unfortunately, that's just what I have to say about that. And then Rich Hill, I mean, I get the fact that you want to have a veteran to pick up, you know, the young the young arms out there and just kind of like give some, you know, insights and kind of lead, um, you know, young arms into seeing, you know, how they can do better and pick up on things. But, I mean, honestly, I didn't watch – I mean, I, I went to the game. And it was awesome. It was a sold-out game awesome atmosphere of course there was you know bickering and bat um from the dodger fans but i can only say that the velo is only going more down from here and in hindsight what do you think we could have done differently into different acquisitions that could have been more beneficial or do you think we took the best route into the specific uh these specific trades Sebastian, good question, and look, I, I think at the deadline, and, and we talked about it at the time, and I, I don't want to, you know, play hindsight here based on one outing by Rich Hill and based on, you know, Choi going over for today and not having a hit yesterday, and, you know, he hasn't had a hit so far as a Padre. You know, I don't, I don't want to overreact. Um, look, at the trade deadline earlier this week at the time, 
I thought the Padres did what they needed to do. I, I didn't want them to give up any of their top prospects. I did want them to add depth, to add pieces to this roster, to improve the DH spot, to improve your bullpen a little bit. And I thought they did that by who they added. You know, look, um, you know, Choi and Cooper. Now, Cooper's had a better year. Choi was injured for a while with Pittsburgh, so I'm, I'm not putting you know, too, too much stock into his numbers. You know, he's been a good major league hitter. He does have power over the years. And, again, you were just looking for upgrades, okay? You weren't going to add a superstar here at the deadline this year, but you were looking for upgrades, you know? Um, and I thought from a bench DH standpoint, they did do that. Now, you know, uh, if Choi, you know, doesn't produce, could you see Cooper again? I talked about the platoon earlier. Could you see Cooper against right-handed pitching you could if Cooper you know had a base hit yesterday if Cooper gets a start hits you know hits a couple of home runs I'd be shocked to not see him in the lineup the next day so I think I do think it'll be performance based uh, partially on this platoon I, I don't know that it'll be straight up I think if one guy you know does play well but I, I to answer your question again I thought at the deadline they did what they should have done add depth not make any splash if you weren't going to sell if you weren't gonna you know deal Snell or Hater I thought just being pretty conservative with what you did and adding and getting pieces like Barlow and Choi and Cooper and Hill um, I thought that I thought that's what they should have done now with Hill um, look it was a tough outing here today he is capable um, you know he's been around a long time obviously he's better than what he uh, showed today with the six runs given up in three innings. He's proved that throughout the course of this uh, season for the Pirates. Again, look, his ERA is above four, you know, has been stellar, but it's been better than what it's been today. I'll tell you what, here, here's the problem is that as long as Waka and Musgrove, and we know Musgrove's going to miss a few weeks here at, at bare minimum, and maybe Waka comes back as early as next weekend, we'll see. But they need guys to take some of these starts and eat some innings. And, I mean, even before the trades, the options were limited. You know, if you wanted Ryan Weathers in that spot, if you wanted Jackson Wolf in that spot, if you wanted Matt Waldron, I mean, these are all names that have come up. Um, I do think you can make the argument, despite what happened today, that you'd prefer a veteran left-hander who's pretty capable to come in and, and eat some innings and, and make those starts. So um, we'll see what the future holds for, for Rich Hill and how he performs moving forward, but... I thought they did what they needed to do, and I, I don't want to super overreact to one outing from Rich Hill against this lineup or a handful of at bats from G Man Choi when they've you know he's got two months here in San Diego to to contribute. So I I don't want to overreact, but you know without even thinking about the results, I thought they did what they needed to do, and I, I think a lot of us thought that on the station. I think a lot of us thought that around the team. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know how it all transpires and how these guys contribute but um, I thought they did do what they needed to do at the trade deadline and I would just uh, I would advise to be a little cautious with with judging the acquisitions on you know a handful of games here let's see how it plays out over the course of uh, the the next couple of months I will say this though uh, you know the fact that they continue to either not lose ground or pick up ground on any given night they're three games out, 50 to play. Again, this is very, very doable. So they added some depth. They improved the roster a little bit. I thought that was what they should have done. 
you know, had it been a different year, let's say you are really battling for a division with the Dodgers and you've had an outstanding year, maybe you look at it differently because then you're totally in buy mode and maybe you're going out and, and taking a big swing and going and getting somebody really, really, really important and, and uh, you know, vying for, for a, a real big-time player on the market. I, I don't know that that really existed this year. I mean, it ended up happening with Verlander and Scherzer kind of out of nowhere from New York. But, I, again, back to the main point, thought what they did was was fine at the deadline. I agreed with what they did, how they went about it. And we'll see how the acquisitions play out here in the weeks and a couple of months to come. All right, let's hear our play of the game. What was the crucial play that helped decide the outcome of today's game? This is the play of the game. Presented by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Flood and Restoration. Because we know how. Troy backs up behind him. Now the pitch. Freeman hits it in the air to deep right field. Fernando goes back to watch this one. Gonna go. Three-run homer, Freddie Freeman. And just like that, a 6-0 Dodger lead in the second. Our play of the game, the Freddie Freeman home run. When you talk about impact, that certainly uh, was a big one here today. 6 nothing. it made it in the second inning. And a big moment there for the Dodgers. Unfortunately, our play of the game goes to a play for L.A. Here today, maybe uh, better luck tomorrow with our uh, daily awards. All right, taking a look ahead to tomorrow. 1.10 p.m. first pitch tomorrow, right-hander Seth Lugo on the mound for the Padres, right-hander Tony Gonsolin on the mound for L.A. Ecowater SoCal Padres pregame show begins at 1.10, and our, uh, or excuse me, sorry, let me get that right. Ecowater SoCal Padres pregame show begins at 12.10. First pitch at 1.10 against Lugo, against Gonsolin, the pitching matchup tomorrow right here on the Padres Radio Network. It'll be a busy morning of radio. Ben and Wood, 6 to 10. Coach John Quintero and Braden Soprenit, they will be here, from what I understand, here at my spot at the Western Metal Building from 10 to 12. And then you'll have me from 10, uh, from 12-10 uh, to one ten tomorrow afternoon. We'll see if the Padres can even up this four-game series at a game apiece. Taking a look at the final totals here today. For the Dodgers, eight runs, 11 hits, no errors. They left on nine. For the Padres, two runs, seven hits, no errors. They left on six. Winning pitcher, Lance Lynn, who improves to eight and nine. Losing pitcher was Rich Hill, who uh, drops to 7 and 11. Time of game, 2 hours and 55 minutes. The crowd here at Petco Park, 43,306. The 48th sellout in 55 openings here in 2023 in downtown San Diego. As always, if you missed any of our post-game show, you can listen back to all of it on the Inside San Diego Baseball Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. For our great studio coordinator, Frank Marchese, I'm Sam Levitt saying so long and good night from Petco Park. Again, the final score, Dodgers 8, Padres 2. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Padres Radio Network.